Okay, so um, welcome to this Vasemashir and Kilat Chaverim. A special welcome right, to Jerry and Lisa Gesso, who not only sponsored this year, right, in honor of, once again, Roni Katz and Joan Eisenberg, in honor of their marriage. And what's special is that they're actually here on their visit from California, and also sponsored by my cousin Ruth Rotman in honor of her mother, Malka Rotman, who is my aunt. Right, so thanking her as well. Okay, so we'll start with a medrash. It's a very long medrash. We won't read all of it, right? And I know Moses is always happy when we start with a, with a medrash. And it's about the portion of land that the tribes of God and Reuven requested on the other side of the Yarden. Okay, again, the Torah tells us that they had a lot of cattle and they asked to settle here on this side of the Yarden. And Moshe Rabbeinu was upset with them, eventually made conditions that only if they would go ahead before everyone else who was coming to conquer, only then come back and fully settle their land, would they be allowed to have it? So that was the story. Now the Medrash says the following. It says, right? They had a huge amount of cattle, and they saw the land of Gilad, and it was Makom Mikneh, it was cattle country. So they came and spoke to Moshe, etc. Says the Medrash, Three gifts were created in the world. If someone was fortunate enough to get one of these gifts, he manages to take all the precious things in the world. And now it gives us the list of the three things. If he merited wisdom, he merits everything. Now this everything, commentators say, means the other two um, gifts as well, right? Which we're going to see. Might. Okay, which again doesn't necessarily mean physical might, right? But gvura, that mightiness, zocha bakol. Zocha ba'osher, zocha bakol. Wealth, if you have wealth, you also merit all the gifts together. Now, that's also interesting. We don't tend to idolize wealth, or we're not supposed to anyway, right? So why is that there? So here, the Medrash explains how it works. Amosai, when are these gifts so beneficial? When they're a gift from above, and they come through the power of the Torah. Now, in this edition I have, they point out in the Yalkut Shimoni, in Yermio, they add in, right? meaning they're given to you by Hashem and they come from the Torah. Then Chum also. Ah, that you're, that's going to be very key, right, that you know that. But the might and the wealth and the wisdom of human beings, it's nothing, right? And this is what Shlomo HaMelech saw in Koheles, right? Yeah, I saw, not to the swift is the race, not to the mighty is the victory in war, the wise don't necessarily have bread, Gamlon and Devonim Osher, people of clever understanding don't necessarily get wealth. Gamlon le Yodim Chain, and people that know things don't necessarily find favor in people's eyes. Ki Esu Pega Yikres Kulam. 
the happenstances of the world that can happen to anything. There's no guarantees. Doesn't matter how talented you are, right? Doesn't matter. You can have it. It can go away, etc. And so too, Yirmiyahu, with his famous pasuk, Al Yisalel Chacham B'Chachmasa. Don't let a wise person praise about his wisdom. Al Yisalel Gibor B'Gvuraso, not the mighty person in his might. Al Yisalel Asher B'Ashro, not the wealthy man in his wealth. Kim B'Zos Yisalel Hamisalel. What can a person praise, praise himself about? Haskil v'yado osi. To know me, right? And that is what Hashem wants. It also goes on to tell us that those gifts that people have, that they get in another way, it says if it doesn't come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, okay, the alarm goes off in a second. Wait a second. How do you get things not from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Since when has he stopped running the world? They aren't going to last. They aren't going to stay with you. And it goes through a variety of examples of people who had these. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to jump to the one that we have over here um, that applies to our parsha. It says, um, one second, right? we find with Bnei God and Bnei Ruvain, that they were wealthy, they loved their money, implying too much, and decided to settle outside the borders that were meant to be. That's why they were exiled before the rest of the tribes. Right? Those are the ones who were exiled first, described in, in Divrei Hayomim, and it says, what caused them to be exiled? Because they separated from their brothers because of their possessions. Okay, that is, and again, as you mentioned, that idea of separating from Kal Yisrael is separating from HaKadosh Baruch in certain ways. Now, there's another important use of a word that is in one of the previous answers, right, when it's talking about those people who were very great wealthy people in the world, right, and it says, Their gift wasn't from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but they grabbed it for themselves. Okay, so let's step back and recap a bit. I did. Um, the, the Medrash that we just read tells us that Bnei Gad and Bnei Ruvain were criticized because there was something that they took for themselves. Wealth, wisdom, might, if they're given by Hashem, so those are tremendous blessings that enable you to acquire all the blessings. But if you grab them for yourself, so then they don't stay with you. If you don't get them in that way, if they're not viewed as a gift from Hashem, so what does that mean? Ha. Question number one, which is brought by the Sosemus' grandfather, Chidush Yorim, right? He says, how can it be that somebody grabs something without Hashem giving it to him? It doesn't seem possible. I'll um, read the question as it's brought down in the Sefer of the Sosemus' cousin, the Zivsei Tzadik. He says like this, um, one second... Yeah, the Chidush Yarim said, How can anybody grab something that was not decided in the heavens? Okay, 
And um, he says, Rakozman Shamakabel Zocher Shakol Koach Hanosin Borachu Nikramatno Shemaim. So, this is what Yoni was referring to in the phraseology of the Tanchuma. If you remember where things come from, then it's viewed as a gift mina shamayim. If you forget and you sever that connection, suddenly it's viewed as if it's not coming to you from Hashem. If you maintain that connection, yeshkiyum la-rechush, then it becomes something eternal, it becomes part of you. But if you think that either Hashem didn't give it to me, it's all me, or even it's me and Hashem together, you grab it for yourself, meaning you you sever that connection to what's above. And therefore, it's open to all the times and tides of the earth. There's nothing real connecting you to those items. You've severed that connection which is there. Okay, so this is the idea that Yermio finished up there. If you know me, says Hashem, then your possessions, it's not that you brag about your possessions. Bezosis halal hamis halal, it brings you to sing. You enjoy them. You realize you're receiving gifts from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You're able to revel in them. But those people who grab them, so then it's not like that. Oh. Ironically, the Tachuma says that the whole war, the purpose of the whole war was just to test Ruben Ah. So that's another way of giving, but not giving... Correct. Well, the Svasema says, we're going to jump ahead. Right? Rabioni brings from the Tanchuma that they had to go to war right? because of this. In other words, Moshe Rabbeinu said, you will go to war in front of your brothers. So he says that was actually how, when Bnei Reuven and Bnei God accepted Moshe Rabbeinu's criticism, so now they received their chilek over here. How is it going to come from the Torah? Moshe Rabbeinu gave them a mitzvah, so to speak that enabled them to then, by going to war in that way, that it should come, and that's going to be a very important model for us. But let's back up a second to another couple pieces from the Svasemis. The, um, the central piece that I wanted to speak about connects this to the idea of tefillah. It says like this, again on the same medrash. We've already written about this. Okay, this is an interesting question. Did HaKadosh Baruch Hu's GPS recalculate when they asked for this portion of land? Meaning there was the land of Israel that was designated for Am Yisrael who were coming out of Egypt. B'nai God and Reuven said, uh, listen, I know we're supposed to go over the Yardin and take the thing. We'd, we'd rather stay here. And eventually, that is the chilek that they get. So, what were they supposed to get originally? Did they swap their land for someone else? We see that the land was designated very carefully for every tribe. It was by a heavenly lottery, so to speak, that every tribe had a certain portion of land that connected to it. So it was Bnei God and Reuven's chilek divided up by the other shvatim, and they just got this other real estate. So what the Svasemis brings is, no, this really was what they were supposed to get. These were not you know, simple people. When they f- said, we want to settle here, they felt a spiritual connection to this place. They knew this was where they were supposed to be. So he says, that's true. But, 
הרצון שגם עושה החלק המוכן לאדם יחפוץ לקבלה על ידי התורה. And this ties into what we said last week. There are things that you are supposed to get in life. And we mentioned last week that the world has system number one, the system of nature. HaKadosh Baruch Hu zonnes ha'olam b'chasto. HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes care of the world. He gives. So if a person doesn't daven and doesn't keep mitzvahs, it doesn't mean that he falls down dead the next day. Hashem gives him food, Hashem gives him oxygen. He's getting as the whole world does. But we're supposed to be connecting to another system, a higher system. And that is where the same things that we would get anyway, we get them through our connection to Hashem. And then it's an entirely different connection to the items that we have, and it's a different connection to Hashem. He says, Zehu ikar avodas ha'odam. He said, this is a very powerful statement. This is the primary avoda of a person in this world. It's so difficult because we really do live in system one, if you want to call it. It's so tangible. It's so real. If I go out and I do X, I will get money and I'll be able to buy Y. That, that's the system. And I worked and I got it and I have it. And that's what we feel and that's what we see all around us. And it doesn't mean that you won't get this stuff. And you see people all around of all different types. Wise, wicked, stupid, kind. Everybody's getting stuff and has stuff. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, your avoda in this world is to exist within this world, but still to engage with everything and receive everything you have from an entirely different system. That's what's meant about those gifts that come through the power of the Torah. He says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a world of nature. Okay, this concept of mazal right, is a lotion of something which drips down. Right? Meaning there's a system. We're all on the drip, so to speak. Right? In the hospital, they talk about when you have an intravenous. You're on the drip. It's keeping you alive. We're all on the drip. We get oxygen. We get water. We get stuff. HaKadosh Baruch Hu set up the world that way. But we are supposed to rise above that system and connect to the source of all giving and receive it directly from Hashem. Again, we go back to the Medrash of Avram Avinu in Parshas Lechacha, the priest Ben Abbasarim, where it says, Hashem took Avram Avinu outside. He told him, Habetno Hashemayim Look to the heavens and count the stars. Rashi points out that the word habet means to look from above down. How do you look above down on the heavens? He said, here Avram Avinu was told, Ein mazal Yisrael. He raised him up above the universe. Meaning, it's true, you exist down here, but in essence, you are connected to a system above these systems. And even though you're here in this world, you're supposed to be getting everything in a different way. That's ain mazal Yisrael. But we are, as human beings, as members of this world, we have mazal. But we're supposed to get things in a different way. That's the idea of getting it matna shamayim u'bekoachatara. How do we do this? Right? Is it just something, it's so hard to convince ourselves. Right? It's saying, yes, you know, my boss just gave me a raise. I don't want to get the raise from my boss. I want to get the raise from Hashem. <laughs> what does it mean? Now, again, way number one that he mentions 
is certainly any efforts you make to get anything in this world have to be done according to the Torah. That's for sure. Meaning when a person does wrong things to get things, that certainly severs the connection. There's no greater statement of saying, I don't want it the way you give it, God. I want to do it my way, okay? Your way is too restrictive. I need to do some fiddles here in my business. I got to get some things. That for sure severs it. But there's a more powerful way that applies to us every day. L'chein Isa says, therefore it says, and this is in the Zara Kodesh, Everyone has to daven for their sustenance, for their livelihood, every day, even if you have a lot. Why? Right? It seems to be wasting God's time. It almost seems like you're greedy. Okay, you got a million dollars in the bank, right? You have your nice mansion, you have all your things. Hashem, give me Parnassah. Excuse me? Didn't I give you? You're not happy? What do you, you want more? What do you keep asking for? He says, He says, the main part of our avoda, of our tefillah, just as he said, this is a main part of our avoda in life, the most central part of tefillah is to daven for those things that we're not missing. Not just for the things that we're missing. He says, when we're missing something, there is always an honest self-interest in that tefillah, right? When there's something that I, I want, so I'm asking Hashem, it's true, and that's a very powerful thing to recognize Hashem as the source of things and to ask Him for it, but it's also like, I'm thinking, me, I, I really want that, I really need that. But here you've got it already. You have it. You have the million dollars in the bank. You have your Tesla, you have all these things, but he says, Chachomim kovu yudches brochos al kol Chachomim set in the Amida 18 brochos that we're supposed to say, and the middle portion of those brochos are about all the different requests of things that we need that the Rambam describes as the ovos of all human needs. Right? Just like in Hilchah Shabbos, there's a concept of an av, a type of malacha, a type of work which is done on Shabbos, and it can have many sub-divisions, right? Like who works in agricultural, botanical things, there's the Av Malach of planting. Okay, but it has many different forms that are called the toldos. There's watering, there's fertilizing, there can be all these different things that are connected. So he said, here the Chachami made us ask for everything, every day. And he says, in doing that, you're clarifying that everything comes from Hashem. V'yavakesh shme'ito yizborch yovolo elehadvarim that I want that connection to be maintained, that those things that I have will be coming from you. Okay, because again, we make the mistake of viewing the world as a steady state, right? I see you, I see this table, I see me, I was here this last second, I'm here now, I'm gonna be here a few seconds from here. But in reality, the world is being constantly recreated. This is what is referred to in the tefillah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu constantly renews in His goodness the entire creation. The entire thing is being done. A, a simple muscle for this, again, the technology I use is way outmoded. 
right? If you have, a, you used to have in school slide projectors, right? So I guess you can put things on the wall of the computer now also. Okay, so I put in a slide. I say, here, I have a captive audience. I want to show you pictures of my family vacation or something. And I stick it in there. And you see a big picture of me at Niagara Falls up there. And suddenly the electricity goes and the picture disappears. Okay, why did it disappear? Because only by the electricity and the light constantly running through that machine, right, was that up there. It was constantly being refreshed. In fact, I remember when computer monitors in the ancient days, part of what you looked for was what was called the refresh rate on the screen. Because the picture on the screen is constantly being refreshed. To us, it looks like it's just sitting there. But in the old computers, when it was kind of slow, you could kind of see it flickering as it like, went up there again and again. And the faster it went, the more it looked like something solid. So that's what we have in our universe as well. So therefore, we constantly want to reconnect everything we have. We want to re-receive it again from HaKadosh Baruch Hu as a gift that comes not from the systems of the world, but from above. That million dollars, yeah, I've got it. Why do you have it? The bank's holding it for me. The bank's protecting it for me. No, I don't want it from the bank. I want it from Hashem, but it's in the bank, correct. But I daven for it, and then it comes to me from Hashem. Then it's connected in that way. He says, and then, Then everything we get is connected to the source of all life. It's not in separated systems. And then those things become part of us and stay with us. And even when they leave us, they become part of our story. And that's why... They're always kayam. They're there in a meaningful way. So that is a big chiddush in terms of tefillah. Now, we just finished, especially appropriate to these days of the year, he applies this to Eretz Yisrael. Okay? Because that was certainly what B'nai God and B'nai Ruvain were dealing with. And um, we have to see how we hold on to Eretz Yisrael, how we connect with it in the right way, and the dangers of disconnecting. So once again, he says, in your Tafresh Memtes, They were supposed to get that piece of land, the other side of the Jordan. And he said, they had all of these three great gifts that the Medrash described. How do we know they were wise? In Pirkei Ovis it says, a wise person knows his place. They came, they said, this is our place. That was actually an expression of their wisdom. Osher, they were very wealthy, said they had all this cattle. That was wealthy. Gvura, we find that they were mighty because Moshe Rabbeinu sent them in front of the army to conquer Eretz Yisrael. Nonetheless, we see that Moshe Rabbeinu was displeased by their request for that piece of land. And Moshe Rabbeinu represents the Torah. Okay, so that means that their acquisition of that land wasn't coming from the Torah. But once he got through to them, then he made it part of the Torah by setting those conditions with them. He says, our entire gift of Eretz Yisrael, our inheritance of Eretz Yisrael, all came with the power of the Torah. And that's why we received the Torah first, and then we went into Eretz Yisrael. In certain ways, it would seem to make more sense to give the Torah in Eretz Yisrael. 
right? That's kind of, it's, it's the Holy Land. It's, uh, why not have Matan Torah here in Israel? Because first, we had to be the people of Torah. And then we would receive Eretz Yisrael in a very different way. He says, We lost Eretz Yisrael by losing that connection between us, the Torah, and Eretz Yisrael. The Pasuk in Yermio says, why is it we lost the land? Because they abandoned my Torah and didn't walk in it. Chazal said, what does this mean? They didn't make a bracha on the Torah first. Very hard to understand. Right? If you take it in its most simple state, there are brachas that we say before learning Torah in the morning. Sounds like they skipped those. Why would they skip those? I have many Yetzirahs. I don't have a big Yetzirah to skip Right? I don't know why that would be something they would do. So he says, it hints to the following. It says exactly this. Everything that we're supposed to be doing in our life is supposed to be connected to Torah. That's what it says in Shema. It doesn't just mean that you're listening to a shir while you're on the train. It means that you're interacting with the world and everything you do with the words of Torah. Words, words of Torah. Everything. Everything in your life is supposed to be run by Torah. The word vidibarta has a double meaning. Right? A dabar is a leader, a guide. That you will <coughs> subjugate nations to us and we will lead them. That's why it says They didn't walk in the Torah. Right? This is the idea, and that's why Hashem says, This interesting pasuk that we say, Right, and putting back the Torah. Ki lekach tov nasati lachem. I've given you lekach, sounds like in Yiddish it means honey cake, but here it means like a gift. Lekach tov nasati lachem. Torah si, my Torah, al ta'azovu, don't abandon. What this means is, he says, don't do anything without first having a Torah starting point. This flips back to the first Samus we learned this year in, in Parshas Bereshis, where he says that the word start, word, the Torah starts with a base, right? And the giving of the Torah started with an Aleph, Anochi. Bereshis starts with base. The giving of the Torah starts with Aleph, meaning everything in our world of base, which is that system of Teva and nature, is supposed to have an Aleph before it. And that represents the Anochi of Torah. And he explained back there when it says Bereshi stands for Bishvil Yisrael Shenikru Reshis that the world was created for Am Yisrael who are called Reshis. And for the Torah that was called Reshis, he means not just that that's the nickname of Am Yisrael, that's the essence of Am Yisrael. We are Reshis people, meaning everything we do, we have a Torah reason behind it. It looks like we're doing the same things as everybody else. We're going to work, we're buying our groceries, we're cleaning our car, we're doing all these different things, but there's an aleph before our base. We're people of reishis. He says that's the lekach tov, meaning we don't take anything. Lekach from the Lashon of Lokeach. Hashem says, I've given you a good way to take things from the world. We have to be honest, we're not supposed to be angels. We have to take stuff from the world. 
Each of us has our own unique human needs. Some of them are all in common. We need our carbohydrates, we need our protein. Some are very individual to our personalities, to our physical makeup. We all need things, we all need to take things. He said, I've given you a good way to take things. Torasi al ta'azovu. Don't abandon my Torah. Just because you're in the world with everybody else, right? I saw a bumper sticker once that says, even the rat that wins the race is still a rat. Right? Okay, just, you're down there in the rat race, don't be a rat. Right? You have to remember who you are. He says, that's the idea of not making the bracha on the Torah first. And he says, when the gift of Eretz Yisrael wasn't connected to the Koch of Torah, but it became a land like other people's lands, Lonisha Rabbiadeno, says that is when we lose it. And um, he brings a fascinating thing. It's uh, later in Devarim, he says, you have to realize, Eretz Yisrael also has another name. It's called very often in the Torah, Eretz Canaan, the land of Canaan. Why would we call it the land of Canaan? Just parenthetically, an interesting historical thing. There were some people in the pre-state Israel that had this movement. They were called the Canaani movement, the Canaanite movement. And their thesis was, eh, you've got to stop with this Jew stuff. Jew is, is you know, from the Galut, exile people. We are Canaanites. Right? We are Middle Eastern tribes people who have now returned to our tribal lands. And uh, very interestingly, I had a student once, Yeshiva, whose last name was Kanani, and he was a grandson of one of the original Kananites. His grandfather changed the family name to Kanani. Um, he kind of went to Yeshiva and became a very um, fine religious young man, and I think he changed his name back to Greenstein or whatever it was before Kanani. That's a little mini picture of Jewish history right, happening right there. Okay, but why does the Torah so often refer to Eretz Yisrael, our land, as Eretz Kanan? He says, you know what? Because in system number one, this land belongs to Kanan. Yeah, that's, that's what happened, right? Look at, look at history. Who was living here? The folks of Kanan. How'd they get here? The system gave it to them. They lived here, they came, they grazed their sheep, they planted their fields. They're the Canaanim. But in system number two, in the system of the Torah, it's got another name. It's Eretz Yisrael. And that's the only way we can connect to it. Okay, that, that tension which is there that Rashi expressed in the beginning in that first Rashi in the Torah, where it says, why did Hashem start the Torah from Bereshis? In case the nations of the world come and say you are robbers, you'll be able to say, well, look at Bereshit. It says Hashem created the whole world so he can give it to whoever he wants. And everybody knows you can't stand up in the UN or any place else and start saying, look at Rashi. He says that, that it's ours. But what it means is that in system number two, in the system of the Torah, it is ours. And that's the only way it's ours. It's very hard to justify are taking this land, so to speak, in system number one. Why shouldn't it be the Canaanim? Right? If some people come and they prove, you know what, you may be descendants of the Israelites who were here in the time of David and Solomon, all that stuff. Guess what? I have here genetic data that shows I'm a descendant of the Canaanim who were here before then. Out you go. I, it would seem to be a claim that would hold up. The idea is, if and only if we're in that different system, in the system of Torah, then this land is ours, right? That's the idea of the world being taken care of Torah.
Now he says, Kamoshin is garashnu meretz Yisrael aziva satora. So by abandoning that and trying to live in the regular system, that's when we lose Israel. Losing it can take different forms. Losing it can be a picture of exile, or losing it can be losing the connection to it, right, as it's here. So he ends on a positive note, though. He says, nonetheless, Mida Tova Meruba, principle in the Torah that the good power of good is always greater than the power of the negative. And therefore he says, Al Yidei HaYigiyah Batara. Now Yigiyah Batara doesn't just mean learning Torah hard, you know, trying to work hard to understand Torah for sure, but it means the Yigiyah of connecting everything in your life to Torah. And that's by that tefillah, like we said, in which you want to get that way, Yachzireinu HaKadosh Baruch Hu B'mheru V'yameinu L'artzeinu. Kaddish Baruch Hu will bring us back quickly to our land. Okay, now again, we're in an interesting time where we have the ability to come to the land and there are many Jews on the land and we have to be thankful for it. But we also have to try to see to truly acquire the land, right? It's not just that we're occupying the land of Canaan physically and building, you know, nice things in high-tech companies and sushi restaurants and such. But we have to connect. And that's why, as we approach Tisha B'Av, which will hopefully be a Yontav, which it should be, I guess, in System 2, right? When we go to that system of the Torah. Uh, some people kept saying, they say, why in the world would we fast on Tisha B'Av anymore? Right? They say, we're embarrassed to say that tefillah at Mincha Nachim, right? Which has the line in there, Ezgar Lekim Moya. Right, I, I, I remember and I cry out, I see all the cities of the world built up beautifully. There's Berlin, there's Sydney, Australia, there's Manchester, England, right? All the gorgeous cities of the world you can see. And they're all built up. And the city of Hashem is degraded to the very depths. People say, how can we say that? Look at it. You got that nice bridge, you got a light rail, you got... All this good stuff, you know, it feels silly. Again, but it may be a nicely built up land of Canaan with the potential to be the land of Israel. But nonetheless, aside from the fact of not having the base Amigdash and not having the existence and the connection that we had and all those different things, but how are we connecting with it, right? Is it still mourning for us, right? The kinnas personify Yerushalayim like a mother crying for her children. Is she still crying or not? On one hand, she's happy. She's, they're here, but how connected are they to her, right? How much of her true essence have they awoken, right? In the Chadori, we call for Yerushalayim to wake up when the children return. The waking up of Yerushalayim depends on our waking up to this picture of the world that's been here. And again, it seems like a very esoteric idea, but it's real to our next sandwich, to our next Shemon Esrei, to each time we go to the bank machine, or whatever it is, all those things. If we learn to live in that system, so hopefully we'll be able to live in Eretz Yisrael as it's meant to be, all of us in Hera. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.